Today's episode contains traumatic events in the realm of kidnapping and assault, so proceed with caution. Two universal limitations in this life are time and money. If suddenly you didn't have to worry about either, what would you do with this exquisite freedom? Pose this scenario to nearly anyone, and they'd probably say, travel, see the world, visit landmarks, take their time in exotic, far-flung locales, acquire experiences and memories. This wanderlust is a universal feeling, and so you can't help but be a little bit jealous of people like Sadie. The subject of this episode of Welcome to Paradise, it sucks. Sadie found a way to satisfy her urge to travel, to see new things and meet new people, to take in other lands and cultures in a way that goes far deeper than a quick touristy vacation would allow. But as much as she enjoyed the sights, sounds, tastes, vibes, and people of Southeast Asia when she thoroughly explored the area, she also confronted some very dark realities that exist below the very attractive surface. Let's allow Sadie to tell her harrowing, frightening, and absolutely maddening story. All she wanted was to chill at a green resort in Laos with other cool young people. That's not exactly what happened when she found her paradise. Because her paradise? Well, it sucked. This happened in the summer of 2012 when I was 28 years old and teaching English in South Korea. I decided to quit my job and go solo backpacking throughout Southeast Asia for three months. See what I mean? You're jealous. I'm jealous. We're all jealous. There was just something euphoric about traveling. I was intoxicated by the surroundings, new cultures, new food, and new people. And I hated my current job anyway, so I thought what a great way to reset. I met so many cool people during my travels from all over the world of all different ages and cultures. Sadie bopped around for a while and primarily stayed in hostels. Catering to both young people and backpackers with open-ended travel plans, they're a great place to offer no-frills lodging generally in group settings with strangers. They're usually extremely expensive and also not for the unadventurous. But Sadie was down with it all. She was headed into the small and nature-rich nation of Laos to stay for a while and maybe teach an English class or two to keep a little income coming in. I am kind of a hippie in that I care about nature and smoke weed. So when I found out there was an Echo Lodge hostel in Vientiane, Laos, I thought it'd be the perfect place for me to check out. An Eco Lodge, or Ecological Hostel, is a green hostel, earth-friendly, made from and operated with sustainable materials, with minimal impact on the natural environment, and with a small carbon footprint. They're usually as remote as they are green. Now, when the website said that it was in the middle of nowhere, they were certainly right. After taking the city bus into a rural village, I had to walk what felt like at least five miles, dragging my luggage through dirt roads, asking any villager I can find that doesn't speak any English where I can find this echo lodge. 
Finally, after trekking through the hot sun and astounding humidity, she arrived at this totally chill, way cool eco lodge. And it was like paradise. Hey, just like the name of the show, this is gonna go great. Lush with plants and streams and such serenity. The eco lodge was set up thusly. A main outdoor living room type common area where guests could hang out and eat the food that they prepared themselves in an adjacent kitchen. Private lodgings were scattered around the communal areas, but each was a good five minute walk away. This eco lodge offered a lot of privacy then, or put another way, brutal isolation. Also, they had no electricity, no toilets, no hot showers. Free weed from a community jar, and the food was prepared by the hosts and eaten together like a family. This really felt like heaven to me. But in hindsight, there were quite a few red flags that I just ignored and chucked it to the hostel owner, Mike, being creepy. Let's talk about Mike. Creepy hostel owner, Mike. Wildly inappropriate Mike, possibly criminal with potential ties to an international trafficking ring, Mike. More than some humble jungle motel owner, Mike wore many hats. All of them are gross. But Sadie, we have to know what did Mike look like? You know what? I have the perfect description. You know, Wario? Wario. The video game character and nemesis of Mario who looks exactly like Mario, except he has a long and silly mustache with a W on his hat instead of an M. He had like this like long, curly, like dark hair. And then he had like this mustache and beard, you know, like, you know, he was a little like heavier set. You know, so then he looked exactly like Wario. Even beyond the fact that the man to whom you were entrusting your safety in the wilderness thousands of miles from home looked like Wario. There were many, many other red flags when it came to Wario. I mean, Mike. So when Mike first showed me my bungalow, it only had a little measly hook for a lock. So I asked him if it was safe there. He assured me that it's super safe and nothing has ever happened before. But note to self, don't ever trust or believe anything a stranger tells you. Also, that he said nothing has ever happened before is just a little too leading. He offered up that information? That just raises more questions, Wario. But hey, there were even more red flags, like when Mike and his much younger, extremely out-of-his-league girlfriend offered up an indecent proposal. So they're like, yeah, you want to take a dip in the stream with us? And I was like, yeah, sure, you know, like, why not? You know, I just got there, it's hot. And then when I went there, like, you know, they were both nude and they're like, oh, like, you can get nude if you want to. And I was like, I felt kind of uncomfortable because I don't really do that usually. But like, you know, with the whole atmosphere and stuff, I'm like, okay. So I just took off my top and enjoyed the dip for a bit, trying to keep my topless body under the water. Sadie kept herself covered, but she was keenly aware of creepy Mike and how he creepily kept staring at her and tried to get a glimpse of her underwater body like a creep. Somehow, and I'm sorry, there's yet another red flag. He took me to like uh, his friend's house where I could take a hot shower. And as soon as I like the water turned on, he like, he was like knocking on my door. And I was like, that's weird. Yes, because it is weird. And then when I came out, I was like, hey, why, why were you knocking on my door? Oh, just a hunch here because Sadie was naked and Mike is a creep. 
I'm thinking it had something to do with Sadie being naked and Mike being a creep. Like, you know, you told me your boobs were fake and I've never seen fake boobs before. So I just kind of wanted to see them. Bingo. I was like, what the fuck? Like, no. Why would he think that's even appropriate? I think Mike may not be the most reputable individual. Moving on. Despite her multiple off-putting encounters with Ecolodge Mike, Sadie extended her stay at the hostel and got a job teaching English down in the nearby village. Everything went well for those few weeks until the night before Sadie was set to leave the lodge and move on. It was a Thursday night and I was hanging out with the other lodgers when they all decided to go to bed. But a Japanese guy wanted to chill more, so we headed to my bungalow together. And then Sadie experienced the second worst moment of the night. But it was at least a distant second. We were smoking and chilling when he suddenly tried to kiss me. And I shut him down, though, because he's really not my type. So it goes. And once he left, I was at peace again, just smoking and reading a book under a candle since there's no electricity there. And then things took about as bad of a turn as they could. I suddenly heard someone try to jiggle and open the locked door. I froze and panicked, not knowing what to do. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. I only ever feel like I'm at my best when I'm being honest with myself and accepting myself for all of my flaws and struggles, as well as my positive traits. When you're at your best, you can do great things. But sometimes life gets you bogged down and you feel overwhelmed or like you're not showing up in the way that you want to. Working with a therapist can help you get closer to the best version of you. Because when you feel empowered, you're more prepared to take on everything that life throws at you. Going through therapy was a conscious decision and first step toward becoming my best self, and it really did work. It's helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. It isn't just for those who have experienced major trauma if you're thinking of giving therapy a try. BetterHelp is a great option. It's convenient, flexible, affordable, and entirely online. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. If you want to live a more empowered life, therapy can get you there. Visit BetterHelp.com paradise today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot paradise. Now back to the show. I suddenly heard someone try to jiggle and open the locked door. I froze and panicked, not knowing what to do, not wanting to move even slightly to grab my phone. But who could she call? Her phone wouldn't even work as she was deep into rural Lao. Not exactly 5G territory. So I just froze there for a few minutes, listening for sounds of them leaving. But then Sadie's thoughts 
turned to an alternative way into her bungalow, which is precisely the exact same moment that whoever was trying to go in through the door had the same realization. And then it dawned on me. That stupid window above my head was open because it was so freaking hot. Crap. Crap. Then suddenly this man with long hair jumps in through my window and onto my bed. He put his hand over my mouth and was holding a knife to my neck while saying shh. Like in a terrible movie, but all the more terrible because it was real life. The bad guy had crawled in through an open window and jumped onto Sadie, holding her from behind. That allowed him to get a good grip on his potential victim without her being able to identify him. Funny and alarming how when a person is prompted or strongly forced into saying, the last thing they want to do is be quiet. So what did this guy look like? The only description I know, like, he had, like, kind of long hair. Because, you know, like, I was laying on my desk, but he was, like, behind me and doing this. You know what I mean? But something didn't quite add up for Sadie. How could this all happen so fast? There was a jiggling at the door, and seconds later, some long-haired goon was crawling in the window. But I'm pretty sure there was two guys. Like, one for a lookout and one for, yeah. And I didn't feel like it could just be one person. In this moment of danger, panic, and unfathomable despair and awfulness, Sadie's thoughts raced. She prepared herself for the worst and then decided that she wasn't ever going to give in. Not today, long-haired guy, not ever. I had every thought going through my head about those girls who get kidnapped and sold or killed and tortured. I really, really didn't want to become like one of those girls. So I started screaming off the top of my lungs for 10 minutes straight. I didn't care if he was going to hurt me with the knife. I'd rather fucking die than go through whatever the fuck he had planned. Despite that clarity and resolve, Sadie also realized that the odds were not great. And like, it was literally out in the middle of nowhere. They could have like kidnapped me and like kept me there, killed me, sliced me up, like buried me somewhere. Like nobody would have found me. Nevertheless, she fought. She had to. She wanted to. And she did. When he realized I was never going to stop, he gave up and ran away. There are a lot of tools for fending off a kidnapper or attacker, but Sadie didn't have any of those at her disposal. She used what she had, which proved to be substantial. Sometime later, which felt like forever, Mike came running and asked what happened and if I was okay. I was crying and yelling, fuck you, you said you, this place was safe. I almost got fucking kidnapped and killed. Mike was awfully nonchalant about the whole thing. Not to implicate him or anything, but... He sure was awfully nonchalant about the whole thing. So I decided to go and stay at Mike's bungalow with him and his girlfriend until sunrise, since he couldn't drive me back to the city until the sun came out anyway. But of course, I could not sleep a week that night. It was still raining, so any little sound of the raindrops or bush rustling made me paranoid and sounded like it was the kidnappers coming back for me. Finally, daybreak came, and with it, the warmth and safety of the sun and the certainty that 
she would get to leave this hellhole of an ecological hostel-slash-kidnapping and trafficking staging area for good. I went back to my bungalow to gather my things. Guess what I found? What, Sadie? It's going to be horrible, isn't it? Pieces of ripped t-shirt for tying me up. A ladder used to climb up my window and headband lights. They had nothing good planned, you know? But it is a very rural and out-of-the-way place. In no world is this a random attack on whoever just happened to be staying in that one bungalow that one night, right? Keep in mind, you really have to know your way around here to know where you're going, and none of the locals ever come onto the compound, only the hostel guests. So I'm thinking one of the workers or the hostel owner, Mike, had to be on it. I am inclined to agree. That sent chills down my spine. I really just wanted to get the fuck out of there. So I sat in the main area waiting for Mike to take me back to the city. When the other lodgers came for breakfast, I told them what happened the night before. No one seemed to have heard me except this one hippie couple who thought I'd seen a spider. Bullshit. No grown adult screams for 10 minutes straight after seeing a freaking spider. Nobody screams like that about a spider. Maybe one could scream like that about the legal process for the victim of a thwarted kidnapping. I wanted to file a police report, but Shady Mike said the village chief was a drug dealer and user and won't do anything but shut his hostel down. Oh, Mike, you poor thing. You're so selfless. So Mike dropped me off at the city hostel. And guess what? Oh, no. What? He had the audacity to still ask me to pay for half of my stay there when I literally almost got freaking killed. Just half. Like he spent the whole drive into town thinking about how much to charge her for the lodging incurred on the day's in and around her potential kidnapping, with which he was most certainly an accessory. And he decided on half. Half. But at that point, again, I just wanted him to get out of my face and to get the fuck out of that country, so I gave him the money. And then she ran. Goodbye forever, creepy Mike. When I came back to Korea, I told my family and friends what happened. And I tried to report the incident to the embassy, but they said they couldn't do anything since I already left the country. Sadie even tried hitting him where it really hurts. I even wrote a detailed account of my experience on TripAdvisor, but it was quickly pushed down by the newer reviews saying how nice and peaceful it is. I bet Mike wrote those reviews. What I am most concerned about is the next girl that stays at the hostel by herself, but isn't as lucky as I am. I really hope nothing happened to anyone and he got shut down and no one goes there anymore. Well, then there is a happy ending to this story. A silver lining, if you will. We did a little digging, and it would seem that this ecologically sound community hotel outside of Yenchen Lao is no more. This seemingly idyllic place where the trees are green, the weed is free, and the kidnappings, likely, shut down a couple of years ago, right around the time of the pandemic. This means that Mike kept up business as usual for a good eight years after the incident with Sadie. But at least it's gone. And at least Mike couldn't destroy Sadie's adventurous spirit. (laughs) 
Hello, Andrew Tate, your host, and welcome to Paradise It Sucks Tour Guide, here with another installment of my beloved and popular Andrew's Travel Tips. Sadie's tale is as awful of a vacation story as I've ever heard, but it's also one of many I've heard about bad experiences at hostels. Sadie's time at an eco-lodge in rural Laos is way worse than what one would ordinarily experience at a hostel, which is waking up to a couple of Scandinavian backpackers making out on the bunk above you, or some guy named Klaus rifling through your stuff because he wants to steal and sell your sweet American blue jeans. Anyway, here are some lessons that we could ascertain from this deeply unsettling tale. Number one, look into residential lodgings. Say what you will about Creepy Mike, the operator of that communal eco-lodge hostel in Vientiane, but it had an awesome setup. Group areas, but also private bungalows, a chance to interact with other like-minded individuals, but not too much, all in gorgeous natural surroundings that won't slowly kill those natural surroundings. Sign me up. And by staying in such a place for a few weeks, if you can swing it, it really acquaints a person with a particular location. Number two. Guys, don't be like Mike. Mike is a creep. He's the worst. Seriously, don't do anything that Mike did ever to anyone. Number three. Group bathing in a jungle stream may sound fun and flirty, but just remember, the other people in there are definitely peeing in that water. Number four. Go with your instincts. If you're uncomfortable, you're uncomfortable for a reason. Don't have FOMO, just leave. The best part about going out is going home. Number five, a can of pepper spray doesn't take up that much room in your luggage. Maybe bring some along on your next trip. Until next time, happy trails, listeners, and good luck on your next vacation. Thank you for listening to Welcome to Paradise, It Sucks. And don't forget to write a review wherever you get your podcasts. It really helps us out. While you're at it, follow me at Let's Not Meet Cast on Instagram for more updates on upcoming episodes and check out my other shows, Let's Not Meet, a true horror podcast, and Odd Trails at crypticcountypodcasts.com. If you want to hear your worst vacation story on the show, please email us at welcome to paradise, it sucks at gmail.com. And until then, avoid anyone named Mike and make sure you're aware of your surroundings at all times. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.